Welcome. This is a human interest podcast made up of stories about people who are traveling about by train or bus. The stories, 15 or 20 minutes long, are based on actual experiences that have occurred across the United States. Welcome to Rails and Trails. I spent a recent holiday weekend with my brother down on the South Carolina coast. We had a terrific time with my niece, his daughter, and her children. On the way back to his home in suburban Washington, D.C., we stopped for breakfast at a little diner. It was one of those independent places that used to be located throughout the country, but today are a rare treat to stumble upon. About six tables, four stools at the counter, a single server, and a cook. We sat down at a table and started to look at the menu. I could hear two old boys talking, something about a fat buck that came up on a trail cam. Mark, on the other hand, was talking about a pair of lamps he had recently purchased for his condominium. He's retelling me about how he had discovered them, about their Tiffany styling, the way the stained glass shades complement the furniture style in that room, and how excited he was when he had first shown them to his recently deceased husband. He has an informed sense of style and a flair for detail in the area of design. Meanwhile, these fellows start talking about Trump, something about how the left want to have him killed. They are sure that the current government is a sham and he will be reinstated at the midterm. They are certain he is still the president. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you are occupying the midway point between two poles? Without forethought, the mellifluous voice of Roger Miller came drifting into my mind with the timeless country classic, That's What Happens When Two Worlds Collide. So far, it seemed, I was the only party that was attuned to both conversations. I felt like that was a good thing, and I was pleased when the server brought our order. We got back to his condominium that evening and had a relaxing time before my departure the next morning. I would be boarding Amtrak Train 51, the Cardinal, from Washington's Union Station to Chicago's Union Station. It's a route that only operates three days per week. I Ubered to the Metro with a pleasant driver from Ethiopia. She told me about her family, and I shared that I had made some wonderful friendships some years ago within the Ethiopian community in Dallas, a vibrant and successful populace. After boarding the metro, I discovered that someone had abandoned a perfectly good sweatshirt. It looked like a newer hoodie, and I'm certain that its owner would be disappointed to have lost it. I draped it over a rail so it wouldn't end up on the floor. The metro ride through the DMV is usually both enjoyable and entertaining, while persons of multiple backgrounds and traditions travel through the many evocative neighborhoods that are mostly communities in their own right. Stunning examples of street art are visible along the route, many of which cross over from acts of vandalism to authentic neighborhood beautification. Arriving at Union Station that morning, I discovered the McDonald's had live entertainment in the form of a freestyling percussionist. The artist in residence wore a Washington commander's hoodie and delivered a highly individualized performance for each customer as they would approach the counter to order a coffee or an Egg McMuffin. 
She had no need for toms or snares or hi-hats. The counter itself provided the perfect trap set, and her open palms were all she needed for sticks or brushes or mallets. She fixed her gaze on each approaching guest, and staring deeply into their eyes, divined the appropriate insight that would guide her to the performance each person needed this day. Dark, bluish-colored pigeon was flitting around the area like you often see, and she would periodically confer with it. What you see here, ghetto bird? Give it to me straight now, ghetto bird. I'm trying to get these people in a good place. Most people took the unsolicited personal performances in stride, but occasionally someone would have an outsized reaction, perhaps due to the intensity of her eye contact as she surveyed whatever she perceived within them. I decided that I didn't want to miss out, so I joined the line and ordered an iced coffee. The recitalist watched me as I approached the pickup counter. She peered at me with solemn eyes and began tapping out a slow cadence, advancing the meter as she drummed. I reached into my pocket and took out a ballpoint pen, which I began clicking in chorus with each of her taps. It enlivened her, and her facial muscles drew up into an intense smile. I added a head bob on the fourth beat, and she was all in. She cracked up and declared, Dude, you bad! As my order came up, we exchanged a fist bump. I slipped her a tip for the taps and got my java. After what was maybe a 10 or 12 song set list, some officers came by and advised her that the performances were over and she would have to take her gig elsewhere. My departure time was approaching, and with the performances over, I walked to the area of my gate where I waited the final half hour or so. The boarding call for Train 51 was announced, and soon I was getting settled into a seat in the rear of the rail car reserved for Chicago passengers. I was joined by a guy in military fatigues and an ACDC cap. He was drunk. He kept getting out his flask. He was carrying on about how they went through his bag. Says it's no way to treat someone who served their country. Says he has PTSD. He claims he's going to tell his grandma. She's a politician. Says he's never been on a train, but he keeps calling it a bus. He goes by scrawny, and he was relocated next to me by the conductor. I was experiencing a range of emotions and reactions. I was really hoping someone interesting, whose company I imagine enjoying, would have that seat. But I'm also aware that this is not random or coincidental. So now I'm left to deal with his smell of stale tobacco and the smell of cheap alcohol and my own knee-jerk reaction to be exasperated by it. Across the aisle, in a rearward-facing seat, an older gentleman is seated with his legs extended, resting on a small, squarish piece of luggage with a tweed top. He's reading a book. Scrawny offers him a sandwich, which he politely declines. Envy is a familiar caller as I look across to him, the picture of relaxation. Scrawny is skinny, super skinny, that kind of skinny that travels with chronic addiction. He has extended coughing spells with a deep gurgling effect. I consider that it may be COVID. He suddenly bolts to an upright position and peels off his hoodie. It's now a pillow that he's squeezing with all his might as he's asking, Who is that? 
Who said that shit? Of course, no one is there. He's sliding off his seat into a little ball, swinging between incoherence and occasional flashes of awareness. What the fuck is that? He yells out. His stupor gives way to anger. He's squeezing the hoodie harder now. He whispers to it in a raspy voice. You ain't going nowhere. You're my baby. It's partly affectionate and partly a warning and a reminder that she belongs to him. We roll on toward Charlottesville. We're in a tunnel now. It's dark, of course, and whatever cell signal there was is gone. Scrawny is also gone. The conductor escorted him to a bulkhead seat at the very front of the train. She tells me that the seat beside me was his third since New York City. He'll remain there with nobody beside him for the rest of the trip, unless they boot him off someplace along the way for unacceptable behavior. Hmm. Afton Tunnel, and Afton Pass, was first dug in 1852. In part, it was dug to supply fresh daily oysters to Stanton from Richmond. No reason for mountains to stand in the way of essentials. From Washington, the Cardinal Route is over 300 miles longer than the Capital Limited, another route that runs from Washington to Chicago. So it's not the best choice when you're in a hurry. Both routes end up there, but the Cardinal drops south and travels through Virginia west to White Sulphur Springs. It's the first stop in West Virginia. It crosses West Virginia into Kentucky before turning north toward Cincinnati. From there, it goes to Indianapolis before arriving in Chicago. The senior gentleman lives in Jacksonville and is going to Dallas to see his son for a couple of days. He lived in Washington until he was 10 years old. He says D.C. is a different place today, and he got lost last night, and the police picked him up and had to give him a ride to his hotel. He's a deacon in his church and a very devout and humble individual. He shares apologetically that he still smokes. He doesn't do drugs, though, though some of his friends still do. He gives me a copy of a book that his son wrote. He's proud to give it to me, and I'm excited to receive it. He's a good man, 70 years old. At 2 a.m., I waken to the sound of a distressed voice. A person seated directly in front of me is talking in his sleep. His voice is partly words, mostly just sounds. Sounds of fear and pleading. I can't make anything specific out. The language is Latin, maybe Portuguese, but I'm not certain. The voice resides in the body of a short guy with a thick, stocky build. Maybe five foot seven, he looks like a competitive bodybuilder with his arms and neck stretching the cotton of his t-shirt to the point that you might hear it seems ripping. Tonight he's a wrestler, grappling with a demon from the depths of who knows what part of his past. The whistle is blowing constantly now. We're back in the Midwest, where every mile is another crossing. We cross Ohio and Indiana and route to Indianapolis. I sleep in brief segments and wake up in Indy to the deacon handing me a cup of coffee and a plain hamburger in a plain wrapper. It's about 5.15 a.m. He had ducked off the train for a smoke and picked them up at the snack bar. The deacon is a kind and generous man. We travel on toward Lafayette and Rensselaer 
closing in on our destination, the Windy City of Chicago. Hey everybody, this is Daniel, and I want to thank you for spending some of today with Rails and Trails podcast. The work of Rails and Trails is to bring you stories based on actual human events that have happened while out across the country traveling on trains and buses. The mission of Rails and Trails is to look for the sacred in these human interactions. So far as possible, the stories are presented in an unvarnished manner. Only first names are used to preserve anonymity. I am guided by the idea that God comes to us in the grit and grain of our daily lives. And I have no doubt completely missed plenty of those visits. The illustrative account in Matthew 25 shows me what this looks like. And it's a text with the capacity to make me shudder. Each person introduced in this podcast is a human being and is due the same dignity as all of us. I am grateful for your interest in the podcast and humbly appreciate all supporters and subscribers. I love hearing from you. If you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will do so today. Rails and Trails is my creation and is produced by Second Half LLC. Thanks again.